Hey everyone, I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. My co-host Aaron Bagwell is on maternity leave and will be returning to the Beaver Dam in the spring. For now, we're wishing all the best to the new mom and her little daughter. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television, the glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Talk. Hello! Welcome, welcome! I love when people like laugh in the intro because it's like, <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> I really like the whisper at the end. <laughs> like, you, you know it's a little dirty. Right. We need to like prepare people for what's about to happen. Um, hi, ladies. Hello. Welcome to Hope and Carmen. Thank you. Um, Hope Singson is a writer, pre- performer, activist, and now the founder of the first ever hashtag me- Heal Me Too Festival and upcoming hashtag Heal Me Too podcast. Hope has performed in many films and TV shows as well as on the national stage. As a writer, she researches creativity to understand the various ways it sparks individual and cultural change. This research grew through practice in creating her solo play with music, Skin, and continues to expand through academic collaborations and encounters with audiences. Filmmaker and activist Carmen is a 2018 New Legacy Maker honoree in collaboration with the Disruptor Foundation for her commitment to dismantling societal injustice while inspiring community participation through creative platforms. She's currently featured in Paper Predictions 100 People Taking Over 2019, and Carmen is a producer, director, writer, and actress. Her current projects are Harassment, Cheer Up Charlie, O, Ryan, Coy, and White Flags. Just like the most incredible drop the mic bios ever. I'm so excited to have <laughs> you both you. here. Welcome. Um, I would love to kind of start out by chatting about, you know, you are both, you know, multi-title creators. I'd love to start out by talking about like, what inspired you as a kid? What were you watching? What, how did you get to where you are today? Micro level. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, that just in ditty. like a quick sentence or right, two. <laughs> right. Hope we'll love to start with you. Um, well, in terms of, I, I, I can't even like start with how I got here because it's just, uh, there's actually a line from a Jane Sibbery song. I'm a huge uh, Sibbery head, if anyone's even aware of her. She's a Canadian singer songwriter. And the line is, I'm meandering as fast as I can. I love that. So it's just that way with me. So, um, but in terms of stuff that I was like taking in in media as a kid, I, I first have to just admit that I have always watched everything, like everything from the cheesiest 80s sitcoms to masterpiece theater to what else? Like um, there were just so many of those things. Oh, the, the really old reruns, a ton of I Love Lucy, um, Mary Tyler Moore show, you know, like stuff that I loved. Um, the Flying Nun, Gilligan's yes. Isle, you know, like just all of it. Even Leave it to Beaver, like way, way, way back. Oh, My Three Sons, way, 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 way back. <laughs> so, um, and then and then later, I think, you know, like films, like the Spielberg films, E.T., and actually all those really juicy 80s dramas, like the Dustin Hoffman and Meryl uh, Streep films, you know, whether Sophie's Choice or... Tootsie, which is one of the best Love Tootsie. films ever. Yes. Um, 
And yeah, so that's, or, or like when I discovered Buster Keaton and yeah. that was, you know, revelatory. Um, so I don't know, that's like a real quick synopsis of my media diet as a kid. Totally. You were, it sounds like you were watching like a ton of stuff and really Tons. into we it. We were latchkey kids. So it was kind of like what you do, you know, mm. and we liked it. I love that. Carmen, how about you? What were you kind of into when you were growing up? Wow. Uh, I mean, I did like I Love Lucy, but I watched a lot of like Twilight Zone. Like if Crooklyn would come on, I'm still a big Spike fan. Mm. I would just be like, I don't understand this, but I'm going to watch it a thousand times because there's a little black girl like me, you know? Um, so I feel like, of course, I watched like, Family Matters. I watched um, Moesha. I watched pretty much anything where I felt like I could see myself on TV plus Twilight Zone and a lot of horror films. <laughs> I love it. And you touched on something that I think I, I think about a lot too with my media consumption when I was a kid is that I always think about when I would watch things and I knew I liked it, but I couldn't tell you why. And it was like you connected with it on a deeper level than just like, oh, I really like that. Like she's really funny or he's really cute or that kind of thing. But like it was a deeper connection and you're not really able to name it till much later in your life. And I think that that's so valuable for when you're watching early, like early media. Do you watch, do you rewatch now? Yeah, I rewatch now. What did I just rewatch? I feel like I watched a movie. Um, oh my gosh. I think I, I watched, I think I watched Pretty Woman. Mm. And mm. I remember being so enamored mm. by Julia Roberts when I was young and just thinking she was amazing. And then I watched it and I was like, I'm mad about this. This, and this. And I was just like, this sucks. And I'm like critiquing yeah. it, but still enamored by her. And like, mm -hmm. it just was so nostalgic for me. Um, I love rewatching stuff. Have you rewatched anything lately? I mean, I think one of my constant, re like every couple of years, I have to rewatch The Shining it, because it becomes more and more terrifying as mm -hmm. I get yes. older. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I rewatch re a lot and my family's always like, you have to watch Sanford and Son. So mm. eventually I'll get to it. <laughs> they have so many shows like that where I'm like, oh man, I don't even know where to, the entry point is. And did you ever check out Different Strokes? Have you gotten oh, there yes, yet? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I that was another one. Watched that. Yeah. If there were kids on the amazing. show, I was into it. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, you like connected to kids specifically? Yeah. I was like, if, if there are kids like my age, then I want to watch it. Oh, um, do you still like kids? Like, do you watch like Stranger Things and like? Oh that yeah, kind of I definitely oh. got into Stranger. Oh, hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> into it, I love that. Um, so kind of jumping off, you know, there's a huge thing coming up for both of you, and I'd love to kind of dive into it. The hashtag Heal Me Too Festival is coming up, and hope you were the founder. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for you to kind of describe what it is, kind of tell our audiences what it's all about. Right. Okay. Good. Well, it is a three-week festival. It's going to be kind of nonstop for 19 straight days from the 27th of March to the 14th of April. We have, I think, over 30 events, uh, performances. We've got expert panels. We've got interactive workshops. Um, it's the, the performances, the artwork is really exciting. It's um, really intersectional storytelling uh, addressing so many different aspects of gender depression and sexual violence, always with an eye toward that road to healing individually mm -hmm. or as a culture. So um, we've, we're tying together stories about teen sexuality with on-campus assault, 
with intimate partner violence, with intergenerational trauma, childhood sexual abuse, uh, um, queer and non-binary resilience, you know, and out of all of that, we're also, you know, launching a podcast. So we're going to hold live tapings. Uh, a lot of them are at lunchtime, excuse me, because we have access to this space 24 hours a day. So we're just like, what else can we do here? And, and this is a way, you know, amazing guests, Emma Sulkowitz, uh, our hero of the mattress performance at Columbia University and amazing uh, together with them, um, actually in the same session, we have um, Jaren Arifa, who is a formerly undocumented Muslim feminist activist who spearheaded massive sexual violence policy change at the third largest university in the U.S., uh, which is CUNY, by the way. So anyway, like that's one example of a podcast session we're taping live. And um, we actually just uh, confirmed that we're going to be giving Emma an award um, the same night that we're doing a presentation of uh, a set of the Pussy Grabber plays, which are about the women inspired by the women who came forward with their stories at great personal cost. Um, and we're also going to be conducting activist training that night uh, to help people turn their own personal stories into persuasive tools for organizing, whether that's like getting a friend to go to a rally with you or going into the office of a, a congressperson and making an argument for why we need consent education in, you know, at least high school mm -hmm. and truly middle school. But um, so, yeah, so there's like just this breadth of artwork, activism, conversation, um, beautiful hope, I believe, I already know, you know, beautiful intersectional healing. We've got this amazing work um, that Carmen is actually part of, brought to the festival by Tanya Pinkins, uh, The Truth and Reconciliation of Women. It's going to be every Sunday night. And it's an, I think that uh, Tanya is calling it an anthology of restorative narratives. Mm. So it's historical and contemporary. And, and actually, Carmen, you may want to jump in and describe it since you're actually, you've been part of this project for a while, I think, right? Yeah. Um, Tanya's brilliant. <laughs> I just need to start there. Mm -hmm. um, Tanya reached out. She's been working on this, I think, definitely over a year and just collecting short plays from women identifying people um, about truth and reconciliation. So each of these stories have to have to have, you know, two women or more, and there has to be truth and reconciliation. And and through the experience of seeing it, and also being in um, in one of the or a couple of these pieces, it's amazing what happens to the audience, what I experience just being in it, um, because I, I feel like that's that's really hard, you know, to have in a play, hey, this is what accountability looks like, or this is how we move from this trauma to this healing. So I feel like she really she really captures that in each of these pieces and all of the women that have been brought together um, in Truth and Reconciliation are just the most mm. kick-ass women I've met in <laughs> New York. It's so cool. <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's jam-packed with, incredible content and activism and um, creators who are bringing really important conversations to the forefront. I'd love to kind of know, you know, was this, what aspects of the, of the Me Too movement kind of inspired this festival and, and what connected with you that you felt you needed to create this forum for hmm. people to continue those conversations? Yeah, there's so many, so many sides to that. Um, well, you know, from the beginning, uh, Toronto Burke, who coined the term, the I actually heard Tanya call it those healing words, me too. 
um, just has described that phrase as uh, expressing um, healing through empowerment through empathy. And when the hashtag wave occurred, that was what I experienced, you know, like witnessing the power of, of the fact that we're in the majority becoming palpable, you know, and so many aspects and stories and, and ripple effects, like the way that in the news at the time we were hearing about people having kitchen table conversations, you know, that they never had before, intergenerational, et cetera. And that moment, I had been working on my own show um, already for, honestly, for 20 years. <laughs> it's Like I said, meandering, it's been a, a real, my area of research is healing through the arts, and it's been a real healing journey, like through my life. So I already had this focus on healing and this work. And I was honestly just thinking about putting it up again in the city. And I was like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to just do it by myself. Like maybe I'll invite this person and that person who I know have work around this. And, oh, maybe we'll do like a little festival. Maybe we'll call it a festival. And then I was like, wait, what about uh, sexual assault awareness month? Like what? Oh, what about heal me too? How about, oh, that's kind of, you know, this idea of let's focus on healing, not you know, I think a lot of the time, and I've, I've actually heard Toronto Burke speak on this too, that it's it's essential, you know, of course, for us to tell the stories of like what happened that night. And that can be an, an essential first step. Obviously, you can't just be sitting on the secret. But after that, there's also so much more that's so important for the healing process. And And I can speak for myself, not dwelling in the story of the trauma is important and and actually reframing the story of the trauma and and evolving the story like continually morphing how it lives in me and how it lives in my thinking and my being and my body you know that's all part of my healing so i knew i didn't want to be focusing on trauma log and just putting that out and you know sometimes that can feel exploitative and certainly re-triggering and you know maybe not as conducive to healing for the audience as i Envision. So anyway, that was sort of where it all began. And then honestly, I knew I wanted it to be really intersectional. And I started reaching out and I, and it just blossomed and snowballed and exploded, you know, with enthusiasm from people who were like, yes, let's talk about healing. Let's be looking, you know, at that part of the phenomenon because the media wants to always, you know, talk about the bad doers and their deeds and, and the court processes, all that's important. But we don't have conversation spaces, you know, enough for survivors to be like hearing each other. Also being in a place where you're in the majority and you're, or, you know, like everybody else has experienced it or gets it. Um, and the empowerment of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've answered like 16 of my questions. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you I'm just sorry. said. I feel like I need to like, no, my God, no, I can go farther. I love it. No, I think that one of the things that I appreciated when I was, you know, doing research about both of you and reading about the Heal Me Too Festival um, is just the way that when Me Too as a hashtag and and as a wave really went through Hollywood, the conversations very quickly went back to, as you said, who did the thing? What was the thing? How are they going to be held accountable? The answer is probably no. Mm. And the conversations were not around supporting the survivors and the women and the men mm. who had come forward and shared their story. It was more just kind of like, and now we move on. And now. Mm -hmm. And so what I love about what this festival is doing is continuing that conversation around healing and around empathy, as you mentioned, to kind of be like, listen, what happened to you is not okay. Mm -hmm. And 
turning it into something productive and creative so that people can, as you said, kind of not get into the trauma log, but get into what next? The heal log. Exactly. <laughs> it's a horrible phrase. But I, it's, it's I'm embracing thing. it. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so I think, and you've kind of already touched on this a little bit, but what conversations from Me Too um, are you looking to like continue? Are you, are you excited about continuing by the acts and plays that you've included in the festival? Well, in, in which Me Too conversation, I guess, is the first yeah. way to answer because I, I don't know that there's much in the media conversation that we are picking up on other than, you know, the Trump assaults getting alluded to in the pushy grabber plays or, I mean, there may be other ways. I, I haven't been thinking about it that way, so I don't even know. The conversations um, that we are continuing and responding to are more, I think, the, um, you know, the activist and social justice conversations that have been going on that are so essential for um, inclusion of people who get ignored and uh, space, you know, to listen to each other and to be accountable and to maybe experience opportunities for allyship that, um, I don't know, I, I, I have been finding it's such a gift just in my own personal growth and my personal life and, you know, like to be learning from the work that Tanya is doing and just witnessing it. I went to uh, a presentation that happened a few weeks ago and, you know, or, or reading the plays just even right there and being like, oh, uh, duh, you know, <laughs> it, intersectionality, we've got to have like stuff that's not even talking directly about sexual assault or it's always gender depression because it's women uh, oppressing other women. But, you know, just let's have a space for, let's have a space for talking about racism. Let's have a space for talking about colonialism and, you know, just our historical divisions and and witnessing the ways that we can actually connect. Mm, I love that. Um, Carmen, why was it important for you to be a part of it? Why did you want to be a part of it? I mean, it's it's incredible, but I'd love to kind of hear kind of how you brought were brought into the fold and, and why you, what um, it's been like for you. So I just want to lead with the fact that I was terrified to be like, yeah, I'm going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Because no, because it, I think, um, uh, I, I guess I started, um, working on my doc series harassment, like H E R A S S M E N T. Um, before everything came out about Harvey, before Me Too, kind of, you know, all of this stuff happened, uh, I guess, like a year later. And everything kind of like blew up. And then people were like, Carmen, like you've been talking about this for so long. Mm. And I was like, yes, I am talking a little bit about DV or a little bit about, you know, sexual assault or all of those things. But what I'm actually focused on is healing the part healing the the micro part of it. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Our day-to-day, um, like something as simple as me saying, would you like some water? That is an act of consent. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that is consent, like yes or no. Hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like those, those little things. Um, I really wanted to focus on changing the culture, which I feel like that's kind of happening a little bit more now because people are feeling more um, comfortable talking. And now I'm like, all right, I got to do something that is totally intersectional in the way that we're experiencing art. 
and immersive in the way that we're experiencing it. Because I feel like a lot of the time we can go to see a theatrical piece and be like, wow, here's another slave play. I didn't need to be triggered. I didn't need to, you know what I mean? So I've, I found that with this cultural shift, I've also had to be very cognizant of what I'm subjecting myself to mm. because it's not just yeah. the news, it's art, it's everything. So I knew that if I had a space, thank you so much for giving me this space. Thank you for to, <laughs> using it. To create something that is immersive and that everyone can feel like they're a part of um, the change, right? Feel like they're a part of like shifting this culture feel like they can leave with something tangible that they can do and practice going forward. Um, so yeah, uh, I hope that in a roundabout way answers the question <laughs> in a direct way. It answers the question. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's, um, it's so cool to hear from the creatives. I think so often we, you know, and this is kind of the joy of festivals like this is the acts themselves and the films and all these kind of things are taken up by the audience and then create a conversation from there. But I love hearing from you about like, it was scary for you to oh, be a yeah. part of this initially. It's scary every day because, you know, it's like what I'm putting out there, what you're putting out there is energy. You know what I mean? And I feel like we have a responsibility as artists to, you know, really take ownership of what we put out there, whether it's good or bad. Mm. And that's where the accountability comes in. So mm-hmm. I'm like trying to be very mindful of what, you know what I mean? Like what I'm putting out there and what I'm trying to say with the art that I create. Absolutely. Can you tell me a little bit more about the project that you're including in the festival specifically and kind of what it involves? Yeah. Um, so we have, I have a, um, immersive like short play. <laughs> so <Love it. laughs> that's, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but, ah. but it's like, um, it's mainly about women supporting women. And then I have two panels. So I have a couple guests. Tanya will be one of the guests. Um, I have Michelle Hurd, who's just awesome. Um, Ruby Anaya of the Generator Collective. Um, and then I have some really like kick-ass poets like Caroline Rothstein. Um, I have uh, Christina Pitter creating body positive art um, and sex positive art. Um, and then I have a couple activists coming to, so so by the end of this experience of music, of, of theater, of panel discussion, um, all of these things that we're experiencing will then come together and have like a salon kind of experience. So not only are you a part of the theater piece and you're involved in that, but you're also able to experience this panel to reflect on that and then music to reflect on or take a breather. Mm -hmm. And then, you know what I mean? Cause I feel like we need space to breathe while we're experiencing art that is transformative. Yeah, definitely. It's amazing. incredible. That one will be the second night of the festival on the 28th of March. And the title is Identifying the Predator in the Era of Me Too. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Something that is a huge piece of this festival, and and it's already come up a few times just as we're chatting here, is the importance of intersectionality Mm -hmm. and making this festival intersectional and conversations inclusive. With it being Women's History Month, I think, um, you know, for me and for my community and my friends, these conversations are something that are top of mind for me just as we get into March and as we kind of reflect on uh, feminism, the feminist movement, what's included, what's excluded. I'd love to know why it was important to make the Heal Me Too Festival intersectional and why... um, I 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I a little bit more about that. Can't imagine it any other way. I think mm-hmm. that the time that we're in, you know, it's just like pain in my in my gut, mm-hmm. um, and everybody's gut um, in this in, since the election. And uh, when you mentioned that, you know, it feels like conversations breaking open, and I I feel that too. And it's I without wanting to, um, it's the it's the hidden blessing of this horrible, horrible time is, you know, so many people stepping forward in activism, running for office. And I think that the pain that we are feeling and the connection that we're feeling to each other, all being subjected to the assaults of this person um, in different ways, for me, has broken down any of the, you know, white privilege. Well, I won't say any, because I'm sure there's room for even further, but the 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 barriers or the separation or the distance or the not fully feeling in my body you know the the harms on others um which is in terms of accountability you know like something that on a deep level in this era has become clear to me and i can't um i can't imagine creating a space that i mean if I had to and nobody had showed up, I would have still done my show with a couple friends, but it would have been a poorer experience and I would have felt, honestly, I would have felt some shame like I failed to make connections and, you know, bring others in. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's why. No, it's, a, it's, I think what I appreciate so deeply is it's something that a lot of people don't take on. A lot of people, unfortunately, don't think of. And I think that it's a responsibility as creators and as um feminists and all of these other roles and and responsibilities we play in our lives um, to make these conversations and spaces inclusive. So it's something I really love about the festival, for sure. I just want to add to that a little bit. Um, When we're talking about intersectionality, we have to, like for all of you listening, look up Kimberly Mm -hmm. Crenshaw. Kimberly Crenshaw. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because, she should be credited if you're going right. to use the term. Yeah. I mean, not even not even um, that she should be credited because, of course, she should. But I feel like it's not just since the election. Since the oh, election, no. no I, I mean, I'm just I'm speaking on my experience, and I'm speaking on um, for people who who don't know, and you know what I mean, who don't know us. Um, I feel like now we're acknowledging all of these things because of the election, and because all of these things kind of like broke out, but. Like Toronto's been working on this for years. Kimberly created this, you know, years and like I think it was like ninety, was it ninety four, ninety eight, or something like that. So I, I don't know. I feel like maybe I maybe I'm a little bit pessimistic when I say, well, like you know, this just started. No, it hasn't started. This that's that's why inclusivity, if we're going to use that term, or um, intersectionality is important. It's always been important. And I feel like each of us, including myself, always have to think of ways to redefine that and think of ways to approach our life in a different way. And I feel like right now everybody's just trying to figure out what their superpower is. I think you found you found a way. Do you know what I'm saying? But I feel like a lot of people are just trying to find their super, superpower in terms of how do I show up right now in this time and support mm. other people? Mm. And I think that's like the biggest blessing Mm. but also the biggest responsibility i love the idea of it being a superpower though 
And I love it because I think that we all have such unique things to bring to the table. And I think it's so easy sometimes to feel very um, lost Mm. and to just feel like you have nothing to offer. You know, the media is so big. The conversations are never ending. Like, it's just the news has become such a heavy thing for so many people. And I think I love the idea that everybody has something they can offer the movement. Mm. Everybody is already probably doing that thing they can offer the movement. And it's all about uplifting those voices and finding ways for, and platforms for us all to um, rise, mm-hmm. essentially. And that call to keep looking. Oh, I think is, yeah. 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 I, that it, I, won't, it won't stop. Like the moment we're in now isn't the last moment we have in this mm-hmm. journey. No. <laughs> it will, it has so far to go. Total, and, and to educate yourself. I think that that's something that I want to be better at this year is one of my resolutions, actually, which is read more, read more from people that I haven't heard from before. Like read more, mm. a plurality of voices, a plurality of texts and experiences. It's something that I think it's so easy to kind of tune into and out and only, you know, use your hour in the evening to scroll through Instagram or only use your time to, you know, do something that's easy mm-hmm. instead of and familiar and, and familiar um instead of kind of getting outside of your comfort zone a bit to to expose yourself to different perspectives is something that i think i'm, I'm trying to be better <laughs> you can also curate your instagram feed follow yes. activists mm-hmm. like follow mm-hmm. people who are you know sharing important yeah. information and also like i i interviewed um eve ensler like uh like i know <laughs> I was can I you was just take a minute it. for that <laughs> what it. yes I have I've I've been fortunate enough to meet some of my sheroes like Gloria like uh Eve Ensler like you know what I mean and one of the things that Eve said was that movements need other movements hmm. so for someone who is like an Instagram scroller I love Instagram I think it's great but it's like how what does your feed look like do you know what I mean yeah so it's like every part of your life, how are you learning? And if you're like, I'm not part of a movement, it's like, okay, well then support one. If you're good at licking envelopes, go lick envelopes. Mm. Yeah. Because that's, that might be your superpower. That might be what you can offer. And I think that, I think like, that's what's so great about this festival is that you're bringing all of these people together who have all of these different superpowers and they're just sharing. Mm. Oh, I love that. And the body of the world rocked my life. To no end. Oh my god! Wow. Um, So healing and cultural change are are big components of the festival. It's something that you know it's a part of the title, but it's also just I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. A thesis kind of running through. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you hope audiences kind of take away from this festival? You know, whether they're Mm -hmm. there for a night or for all three weeks. Yes. Yes. Please come for all three weeks. I mean, that's available. (laughs) You can do that. While we're on that subject, let me just mention our URL. Yes, please. (laughs) HealMeTooFest.com, and tickets are on sale. Um, I my hope is like at a minimum, people come and just witness ideas and and modes of healing. You know, like whether that's art making or activism. Um, music, dance, you know, therapeutic approaches, you know, our, our sponsor is the art therapy project and they are actually doing an art making workshop to introduce people to what does art therapy, you know, help you do. And without like getting too personal in the workshop, just starting to experience a little of what that is like. Um, so, so just for people to pick up ideas and, and options and get exposed to like, and at the very basic level, see stories. You know, 
I can say for myself, uh, as I said, you know, my journey has been very long up to this point, but there were times, you know, earlier on the road when I despaired of getting to a place that would feel something like healing in progress, you know, and, and that's a real common experience. And so just putting up stories that show people finding their way, you know, and, and making progress or, um, you know, reclaiming lives and um, reclaiming, like my show is about reclaiming intimacy um, after sexual violence. So just just by offering those stories, I know the power of stories, um, actually just to, you know, uh, what's that term? Like hat, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the term, hat tip or whatever. Like to give another, to yeah, to do another little uh, HT to Tanya Pinkins. Oh. <laughs> She's, uh, she talks about um, presenting different models so that you have that in your mind and your body as a reference point because we often just keep repeating what we already know. So offering these stories as little sparks of hopefully, you know, inspiration and encouragement that keep going and, you know, it it can get better. (laughs) And that there are a lot of different ways and and, uh, other people, you know, to connect with. Amazing. Well, thank thank you so much for for putting this festival together, for putting your work out there and and creating space for people to come together and have these conversations and have these healing moments. I think it's sometimes too easy to inflict trauma or pain by sharing your story and then kind of having nowhere to go after you do that. And I Mm. think that this festival is so, I don't want to use the word productive because it almost sounds too like work. Yeah. But um, it's so beautiful the way that it offers uh, continuing of the conversation so people can find healing and find ways to continue to find the spark and, and, get, and get well. And so. that it can be fun. Like, we've got a lot of humor, mm. you know. I mean, we've got yeah. like, some intense stuff and we've got, mm. like, joy, which is honestly a big part of healing. So <laughs> to important. reclaim joy. Absolutely. Anything else that you want to mention, call out? I know the Heal Me Too Festival is happening March 27th to April 14th here in New York City. And hope you already mentioned tickets are already on sale, but anything else? I was going to also mention that the podcast will be dropping probably starting in May. We're going to record a bunch of live sessions, panels that will be, you know, with question and answer and stuff like that. And then we'll be doing the editing afterwards and really get it out there. Whoop, whoop. So, so people much can, you know, take part from wherever they are. Love it. Amazing. Thank you so much to you both for being here. And I look forward to attending and hopefully <laughs> seeing some of these incredible, um, incredible projects. And thank you to Kent for spending all your Wednesdays with us. Happy Feminist Wednesday. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production.